366, an innovative space for anyone involved in education, whether it be teacher, student, parent, or community member. Welcome back to our Room 366 uh, podcast. And Jennifer and Amanda, I have brought you somebody else from actually Italy today. And I want to introduce you to somebody I am proud to call friend, um, Dr. Lorenzo Minera. He is a um, postdoc at, the, uh, at, at Reggio Emilia University. Um, and this is um, a very unique opportunity for us because Lorenzo brings, or I should say, Dr. Manera brings to us a, a, um, an understanding of a very um, important approach to educating students pre-K and how that education can actually be a very important preparation for them to really um, excel as they move into K-12 um, education. And it is a wonderful, wonderful um, connection to being able to really critically think and excel, especially with an uh, integrative STEAM educational approach. So all that to say, welcome Dr. Minera. Hi, Dr. Guest. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Sure. And and um, as you can hear, um, is it okay if I call you Lorenzo for our for sure. our audience? Okay. As you can hear, Lorenzo um, speaks excellent English. So don't be afraid. When I said Italy, don't be afraid, guys, because um, he's he's amazing. He's amazing. So um, Lorenzo. We are very excited to welcome you to Room 366. And first, if you could just take a few minutes to introduce yourself to our listeners, kind of tell them how you got into education and what you're doing now. So thank you very much again. And actually, um, I started um, my um, studies in Italy and then I studied for two years uh, during my master's degree in Germany, where I had the opportunity to work as well in a Montessori preschool and primary school, actually. And so there I developed an interest for um, the Montessori approach. Then I came back to Reggio. So Reggio Emilia has this peculiar uh, educational approach called the Reggio Emilia approach, which is um, actually all over the world is many uh, schools are Reggio inspired. That's how these schools are called. So um, and therefore I started working uh, in schools uh, in Reggio. I worked two years um, in a primary school and then I started a PhD. Uh, so during my PhD, I also had um, the opportunity to start collaborating with the uh, Reggio Children Foundation. It's a research uh, foundation which sees among uh, its board uh, also uh, American members uh, such as our Gardner of the, from the Harvard University or Mitchell Resnick from the MIT in Boston. And so I started uh, collaborating as a research advisor uh, for the foundation. 
And um, then during the PhD, I also had the great opportunity, and thank you, Dr. Guest, for that, to spend some three months and a half in, in the U.S., specifically at the Augusta University, where I had the opportunity to uh, deepen my knowledge about uh, the STEAM approach and also to visit several schools uh, in Georgia, uh, which um, I found to be very interesting and an enriching opportunity. And then um, I started my postdoc two years ago, and so I'm still uh, actually collaborating a lot with the foundation. And uh, four years ago, um, we started a collaboration with the Lego Foundation, so Lego Bricks, basically. And we developed a research project called uh, Scintille, which is the Latin word for sparks, rarely used in American as well. But um, And so uh, it's about uh, learning and playing in the digital age. So it's about using digital technologies in a critical way and in most of all in an interdisciplinary way. And so there is a collaboration in that project with a research group which is called the Lifelong Kindergarten Group. And it's an American research uh, group which um, is based in Boston at the MIT and they invented Scratch. And so we're exploring new ways of, of using that application and that software in an interdisciplinary way, we could say. And so um, together also with my with my tutor, uh, Professor Anomere Continue, have worked a lot on the theme of uh, metaphors and digital aesthetics. And, and also this is a theme that I deepen as well with Dr. Gass and so all the topics related to uh, the embodiment processes and how the conceptual metaphor theory, the process of embodiment, and how that influences the way children develop their understanding of the world. And so we could say that I had the opportunity to deepen both um, the Montessori approach, the Regimini approach, and then I got to know the uh, STEAM education, which is a very exciting and enriching way of looking at new educational possibilities for um, children and, and future students as well. Yeah, so hopefully you guys can see why I wanted Lorenzo to come join us because he really brings that kind of unique perspective on preparing pre-K kids and then and then preparing them with a target, with an understanding of what they should be doing later on. So, um, so exciting. So, Lorenzo, if you could please tell our listeners um, about the Reggio approach, because probably most of them have never heard of this. Absolutely. So thank you, Dr. Guess, again for the question. And so the Reggio Emilia approach is an educational philosophy which was developed uh, in Italy after the Second World War. And uh, actually, uh, it takes a lot both from um, the pragmatist American philosophy and a bit from the, from the Montessori approach as well, actually, to be honest. So uh, actually, um, Loris Malaguzzi is the name of a pedagogist, an Italian pedagogist, who we could say fathered this approach, uh, also by bringing many elements from uh, John Dewey, so from John Dewey's philosophy and from John Dewey's educational perspective. And so um, 
what actually Loris Malaguzzi, these pedagogies brought from you is, is um, the activist view on, on educational processes. So the importance for children to actually grasp the opportunity to be active protagonists of the learning processes and also the importance of uh, the idea of democracy and the participation to a learning community. And so this is something that has some connections as well with Montessori, because uh, Maria Montessori uh, wrote that uh, preschools should be thought of as uh, ideal communities uh, of children. So it's a utopic uh, view, actually, of, of preschool education. But this idea of children being a learning community and teachers as people who offer children the opportunity uh, to become a real community uh, through a democratic process of sharing, of discovering the dimension of exploring materials, concepts, and this also intertwining between the physical exploration of materials and the cognitive development of concepts is something that ties together, we could say, these two approaches. But then uh, during uh, the 70s, this uh, actually uh, approach uh, developed and um, the importance of artistic processes became even more important. And, and so um, therefore, uh, the uh, space of the atelier, atelier is a French word, it's the place where artists used to work uh, during actually um, the, yeah, the 19th century, we could say mostly. And, and, and so uh, this space is, um, has an artistic uh, meaning, we could say. And so this, uh, these ateliers uh, were developed and, and built in each preschool, uh, in each municipal preschool of French Emilia. And so it's, it's a space dedicated to exploring art. But in which sense um, um, do these spaces explore art? Through the figure of the at atelierista. The atelierista is a teacher with an artistic background, usually, uh, who actually sustains children in exploring uh, artistic languages and symbolic uh, languages, um, basically through an, inter an interdisciplinary uh, approach. What does this mean? Uh, in particular, uh, when uh, Malaguzzi, with his collaborators, developed the idea of um, uh, developing this space called the Atelier, they uh, referred as well to um, an American philosopher uh, who is um, Goodman, Nelson Goodman. Uh, so Nelson Goodman actually uh, developed an, uh, an idea of art as a cognitive activity. So I would say that in the aesthetic experience, emotions work cognitively, right? He wrote um, actually this book called the, the Languages of Art, which was highly influential in Italy as well and was the base of the so-called Project Zero developed at the Harvard University. Project Zero still exists today, and, and the Reggio um, community developed, uh, also the Reggio um, uh, children community developed uh, a research project called Making Learning Visible together with Project Zero in the 90s. But in the 80s, so let's remain to this aspect in the first uh, step, 
so um, the, this idea of artistic exploration uh, intended as a cognitive experience, a cognitive enriching experience, um, was developed by Malakuzzi and his collaborators in these preschools. And so um, then uh, some um, also expositions of um, these uh, artifacts created by children in this space called the Atelier started to go all over the world. And also, for example, I remember that two years ago when I was in Georgia, in Atlanta, there was an exhibition uh, dedicated uh, exactly to, to the Reggio Emilia approach and these artifacts. But it's not just about the artifact, it's mostly about the process. And this reminds us of something related to STEAM education as well. So the importance of artistic processes and the connections that they have with scientific processes. So the importance of um, the learning process that happens when we discover, when we explore uh, an artistic or symbolic language. And uh, therefore the exhibitions started to be not just about the artifacts as they were at the beginning, but about the processes. So what will children do while they were exploring these artistic languages and how they would react uh, to the questions asked by teachers and by uh, atelierista. And there is also in this approach the figure of the pedagogist, so a person who is responsible for the main pedagogical orientation of a particular school. And the reason why it's not called Loris Malaguzzi approach, but um, Reggio Emilia approach, it's because it's, uh, it has been developed by the entire city, we could say. So there's the importance of the participation of the community and, and therefore many uh, parents are involved um, in the development and, and in the maintenance as well of the schools and the activities. So there's a big, a huge participation of the community. These are municipal schools, so not private schools. And um, the interesting thing is that since some years, so basically uh, since almost uh, 10 years, there's also a primary school, which is um, um, that develops this approach in a broader uh, age span. So uh, develops this idea of the, the atelier, this inter interdisciplinary dimension as an opportunity also for older children, so not just for pre-K basically, but also from 6 to 12. And, and so there is also another part which is about documentation. So documenting children's learning processes, this is a very relevant aspect. And so uh, also the idea of teachers as researchers. So within this approach, the teacher is intended as a researcher who works with children in finding out uh, new aspects of the topics that they're developing and also the importance of the environment. So the environment is intended as the third teacher. So there are teachers, families and the environment. And so the importance of, it, of the environment is um, very uh, peculiar and the, also the architectural aspects of the school and how um, the spaces uh, look and feel like because there's this idea of the empathy that the spaces suggest and the aesthetic dimension that defines this space. So there are several um, soft qualities 
that are uh, particularly looked at when uh, schools uh, that are edge-inspired um, are built. And, and so there is the theme of the light, the horizontality of the spaces, and then the connections between different areas of the schools, and also um, the importance of the gardens, of the outdoor activities, of the natural elements, and uh, the materials. So usually materials are uh, intended as, and this is a huge difference with the Montessori approach, for example. So materials are um, usually uh, taken uh, from other, other um, um, how, how can we say that? So basically, uh, the, the affordances of these materials are not explicit because they usually uh, come from other um, fields. So these are not thought as toys for children, but they're referred to as, as um, uh, unstructured materials. Because um, uh, there's uh, the idea that when children work with such unstructured materials, they have the opportunity to find out what are the affordances of these materials and so to develop new ideas and opportunities. And uh, so these are, I would say, some of the main elements. We could uh, outline some more or um, um, deepen other uh, matters, depending also on our interests. So Lorenzo, you were talking a lot about the Reggio approach. And I think a lot of the, our listeners in the United States are very familiar with Montessori. Um, I definitely am being from the West Coast. But um, do you think you could outline maybe the three biggest differences between the two approaches? Sure, absolutely. So, um, as you know, um, in the Montessori approach, there's um, this um, differentiation of, of ages. So, uh, these are um, called in German the Stufen, so the different ages span and children are di divided uh, within these um, age groups. And um, this brings uh, also the idea of uh, difference between groups and also there is a much bigger interest for the individual aspects. So children are usually given the opportunity to develop their own interest, which means each individual, each child usually deepens a different topic. Uh, while in the Reggio Emilia approach, it's usually much more uh, about uh, children learning in groups, in small groups. So very rarely you would see one single individual developing um, a peculiar project by his or, or herself. Um, but this does not mean there, that there's no attention for individuality. So the, the, the book which was written together with uh, the Harvard University, Making Learning Visible, uh, is, it describes this um, uh, duality. So the, uh, the single individual as part of a group. So how to uh, and, um, consider both elements. So the, the small learning groups and as well the single, how can the single child enrich the learning processes of the groups. And this is one first aspect, I will say. Then we also have uh, the, um, the objects. So the Montessorian objects, 
as you very well know, are very much defined and each uh, object has a specific aim. So usually to develop a cognitive uh, abstraction of a number, of, of uh, a concept which is abstract. And, and so uh, Maria Montessori developed these many, with these several objects which are used today, still today, while uh, in the Regimini approach, uh, I don't want to repeat myself, but just a couple of words, there, is, there are these unstructured materials that need to be explored uh, and not to learn an abstract concept which is already defined, but to attribute meaning to uh, an object, which is a meaning-making process that finds its roots in Jerome Bruner's thought, so the famous American pedagogist, which was very influential and part of the uh, board of the Reggio uh, Children Foundation. And um, then there's also uh, the aspect of um, interdisciplinarity, we could say, uh, so, but in Montessori school and, and in Reggio, there's this aspect of interdisciplinarity, though I think that in Reggio, there's this idea of art being the most relevant interdisciplinary experience, uh, while maybe uh, in the Montessori, the artistic uh, languages uh, are less considered, we could say. So, I, I say uh, these are the three most relevant differences that that line between the Montessori and the Reggio Emilia. Okay, so for our listeners, I think that what I'm hearing, Lorenzo, is number one, it's really about individual learning when Montessori versus group learning, yeah. how the individual impacts the group um, in Reggio. And then the objects are key. So if you go to a Montessori classroom, they all look very similar because they have the same kind of, I don't really want to call them toys. They're not really toys, but. Manipulatives. These, yeah, manipulatives. They have the same manipulatives. Whereas if you go to a Reggio classroom, it's really about using what's available and natural, I think. Is that wrong to say? No, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then number three, Reggio really tries to harness that artistic design process, whatever that is, as a context for learning. Whereas Montessori, not so much. Not that art is not used because it is, it's just not so prevalent, maybe. Is that appropriate? I wanted to I wanted to bring that up because of course, you know, there's my steam connection with <laughs> the natural stuff and the, the other things I really heard you saying that I cued in on was the interdisciplinary aspect of the Reggio approach. Very important. And then also, did you guys hear, I don't know, Jennifer and Amanda, did you hear the community aspect, how it all comes in? And it's like stitches dovetails perfectly into steam. So, oh my gosh, Lorenzo, I'll pay you later because that was perfect. <laughs> Okay, so we need another follow-up though. Um, Jennifer, did you want to ask anything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, can you talk about, this is a great conversation because I actually used to work at a preschool. I was the director of a small preschool here. Um, and we didn't have what would be defined as a set type of curriculum um, other than just play. The students played a lot, but there was some 
schedule about it, I guess, for lack of a better term. So can you talk to us a little bit about what kind of uh, learning skills, what kind of critical thinking skills your students will get out of this particular approach? Yes. Um, so um, there's not a set curriculum per se, but there's a pedagogical orientation, which is common to all uh, preschools in the municipality of Reggio Emilia. So there's a lot, uh, this is a key term for the Reggio Emilia approach, uh, progettazione, which uh, can be translated as design, the design of the, um, actually the pedagogical orientation. So uh, how, what are the, um, the topics that a specific school or a specific group of schools will uh, deepen in a peculiar, in a particular year. So for example, uh, two years ago, no, three years ago, there was a, a long project dedicated to the theme of visual metaphors. So for example, uh, a, a group of schools um, so develop these, these um, learning opportunities related to these metaphorical processes connected to images. And so uh, how could uh, actually children develop a critical understanding of images now that we're, we've entered in this digital era so defined by the presence of images and uh, by the need for children to develop a critical understanding of, of images. And also, um, Another uh, recent topic of research developed in, in the schools is, of course, digital technologies and hybrid environments. They're called hybrid environments, which means that there are video projections and the presence of both uh, virtual elements and actual uh, materials uh, that can be manipulated and can interact with digital technology. So, for example, uh, the idea of using technologies actively, so becoming familiar with the potentialities of digital technologies, but at the same time uh, uh, actually using them actively, so being active protagonists and use them to create, to create projects, to develop ideas in hybrid environments, so environments where uh, digital technologies can uh, interact with um, actual materials and so um, then there's um, of course all the theme all the topic of soft skills uh, because um, of course there's uh, all this uh, communitary dimension which uh, brings children to actually develop uh, projects in small groups uh, coordinated by teachers uh, and so uh, there's all, all this dimension of uh, designing a research project with children. So, for example, in one month, uh, the group of children together with the teachers decide that they will discover new aspects of nature, for example. And so how can they do that? They discuss it with the teachers. And so they start taking pictures, making drawings of a peculiar uh, natural element that they want uh, to understand better. And so there's um, already in a very young age, the opportunity to um, develop a, um, a research view on the, on the world and start to getting to becoming part of actual research groups, which sounds strange maybe if we think uh, of groups of children who are aged three, four or five years old, but actually uh, it works very well and children are very much engaged 
into uh, designing these processes and into learning new things and exploring uh, new aspects that they still have not um, discussed or, or got to know and communicated communicate them to uh, a larger community, which is made up by the families or people who actually come to schools to visit them, to get to know the regimen approach better. Yeah, this is amazing, uh, especially because I spent so much time with little people for such a long, for, well, four, three, four years, um, aside from having my own. So is there um, a training? Um, I assume there's a training where you are, but is there any type of uh, international trainings or how would teachers here learn more about this? Uh, sure. So uh, I'll be happy also to share some uh, links uh, that uh, can direct those who are interested uh, to actual opportunities to get to know better the regime and the approach. And, and there is um, on a yearly basis, there are several international groups uh, from all over the world who come uh, to Reggio. Uh, of course, uh, now it's mostly digital, but um, there's also an opportunity for a longer uh, training, uh, which is a PhD, so a doctoral uh, study, which is called, um, it's a PhD program in Reggio Childhood Studies. I'll, I'll be happy to share the link. There's an English page dedicated to the PhD. And um, it lasts three years, and there are eight scholarships available for those who are interested. And it's an opportunity uh, actually to um, uh, get to know in a very <laughs> deep way the regime in the approach. But if uh, there are teachers who are interested in less uh, longer uh, periods of, of trainings, of course, there are several opportunities offered by the International Center. There's an international center dedicated to the Regimenia approach, which is based in Regimenia. And, and so um, it usually offers on a yearly basis several opportunities to become more familiar with the approach. Thank you so much, Lorenzo. I think you've gotten probably all of our listeners very excited about the potential <laughs> of learning the Regio approach. Um, we've talked about so much today on this podcast. Is there anything that we haven't asked you that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Oh, um, I'd like uh, to thank again for the opportunity of um, um, being here with you, but also and in particular for the opportunity that, that I've received to spend some months uh, at the Augusta University in Georgia because uh, I, I found uh, STEAM schools and the STEAM um, a very uh, enriching and 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 so uh, the thing I'd like to to say is that uh, we as well should actually be inspired by this um, wonderful um, idea of of um, bringing steam in in schools and also for students who are older and so also in in actually middle schools and and this inter interdisciplinary uh, idea of of knowledge which I think is going to be key in the next future. Yeah, Lorenzo, I think you're 100% right. And thank you for being willing to come because, you know, as a result, I have learned a ton about that, how key that preparation is 
for students. And um, I wanted to ask one other quick follow-up. Um, I don't know, do you all ever have opportunities for teachers or professors who are interested in um, STEM and STEAM approaches and the Reggio approach? Do you guys ever have opportunities for collaborative research where this is concerned? You know, uh, uh, actually, we still um, have not developed uh, a research project, but uh, hopefully uh, in the next um, years, um, we, we might um, try to develop uh, more because also the European community uh, is um, pushing a lot um, on, on, on STEM and STEAM right now. And so even in the newest documents that have been published in these very days by the European community for the next uh, years, so they're about uh, the European plans, the STEM and STEAM find a lot of, of space and there's a lot of interest uh, on this topic, so it will surely uh, be one of the main uh, themes of the research projects in the future. So I hope we can uh, keep in close touch and maybe develop also something together. Yes, that would be a blessing for me. You know I like that. So, <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Dr. Manera, for your time, for your expertise. And um, we'll look forward to getting those links from you. So for our listeners, we're going to go ahead and make sure that you have access to all of these. And I think that Dr. Manera has already said he will also provide some sort of email or some sort of way to contact him. If you're interested in going to Italy, this would be near Milan, kind of about an hour from Milan, um, for a three-year um, opportunity to really become an expert in the Reggio approach. You really need to jump on that because there are eight scholarships available. So um, thank you again, and we're out. Thank you for listening to the Room 366 podcast. Remember, you can listen to our podcast every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform that you prefer. Also, thank you to our sponsors. Without them, we would not be on the air. AARP and the South Carolina After School Alliance. See you next time in room 366.